Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Psalms. Come let us worship. Psalm 51, and only Psalm 51 for this particular guide. I'm going to be starting on page 101. Our groups are returning from Christmas um, holiday uh, time off. And um, if you feel like it's a good idea to have a little bit of an icebreaker, uh, something simple could be um, just asking when they took their Christmas tree down, uh, if they've done it yet. But you might not need an icebreaker because you may want to go straight to God's Word and take the extra time that you have to actually begin the discussion of Psalm 51 by having your ladies read Psalm 51. And I'm looking, there are 19 verses. Um, you could have them read four verses each. Mine is kind of broken up into that type of segment anyway. Um, or you could just ask one person to read through the psalm, or maybe two different people read through the psalm. So keep it simple, but to get the words of this psalm um, in focus. And another thing, because we have had a long break since our last Bible study, don't know when the ladies might have done this study. If they did it a couple of weeks ago, it may be good to just hear the words of this psalm again. So you've got options, and um, I trust you to uh, do what is a good thing for your group. I'm going to begin at uh, the bottom of page 101, just with a little bit of, um, you know, getting us going with our introduction. Psalm 51, in the italics, it says it's bittersweet. And that's because the next line says it, it's weighed down with grief, which it is because there's a confession of sin. Uh, but the, by the end of the prayer, its head will be lifted up in joy. And that, wow. Let us get that from this psalm because when we sin, we are to grieve over our sin and confess our sin and, and be repentant. But then we know that because Jesus is our Savior and He forgives us, that He does forgive us. And we can then um, receive that forgiveness and go forward knowing we've been forgiven of our sins and we rejoice in that. Um, so just, there should be a lot of joy by the end of this um, lesson, and I'm looking forward to that. You also have time, if you want to, uh, at the top of page 102, to uh, ask ladies if they want to share any of their reflections or responses to this psalm after they read it. For me, when I read through it, I'm like, this is loaded. There just is so much in this psalm. It shows us true repentance. It shows us true worship. And uh, throughout it, there is real desperation 
in needing God to come and do his work in David's life. And we want that in our life so we can read this personally. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. What characteristics of the Lord are recognized in Psalm 51, 1 through 9, verses 1 through 9? I tried to pull out something from almost every verse, and I may have um, pulled and pushed it too hard, but I have from verse 1 that God has graciousness, loving kindness, hesed, and compassion. From verse 2, the Lord has the ability to cleanse us. From verse 4, God is justified. Um, he is just. He is right. That's That word is... Um, for God to be justified means he is right in what he does. He is blameless. And it also declares that God is judge. From verse 6, God desires truth. So, And he is true. He is a giver of wisdom. Verse 7, he's the purifier the one who can purify us. And in verse 8, this was hard to um, put into words appropriately, but verse 8 says, um, Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. So I was just looking at David acknowledging that. It says, God, you have broken these bones. So I just was thinking about that and it's not referring to David's physical bones here. That is somewhat of a figure of speech. But I would say the concept is that God has broken David. He's, he's brought him to this place of desperation and neediness. And from verse 9, I have, um, well, because of what David asks him, hide your face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities, I've written that God is a forgiver, but it doesn't really say God is forgiving. So you don't have to. Ladies might not have pulled out these things, and that's fine. I would like you to draw attention to the kind of definitions in the box that are given. And you could turn this into a question. You could say, look in the box, what does transgressions mean. Just read to us what it says. Or you could just have someone read the phrase about transgressions. Please read to us what it says about transgressions. This means acts of rebellion, defying God by crossing over the line God is drawing. Um, could someone else read what it says about iniquity? This means inward crookedness and perversity. And could someone else read what it, this box tells us about sin? Sin means missing the mark, failing to meet God's standard. So um, I also just kind of wrote one word notes as I was pondering and processing and just trying to get this sin um, behavior in my thoughts and recognition. A transgressor is a rebel. Iniquity is something perverse. And um, sin is failing. That was just a, a one-word way to capture. Um, so it's just, we don't talk about sin every day. People don't like to talk about sin a lot, so we need to do it when it comes up and what it really is about. Next question. 
What was the result of Adam and Eve's sin on the generations that followed them, according to the following verses? And this is the result of Adam and Eve's sin on all of us. Genesis 6-5 says, The wickedness of man was great. Every intent of the heart was continually only evil. Ecclesiastes 9-3, Hearts of men are full of evil. Madness is in their heart. I paused and looked at the word madness, and it means madness like you think, insanity, um, delusion, folly, foolishness. Insanity is a good word. Jeremiah 17, 9, uh, mankind has a deceitful and desperately sick heart. This is without Jesus, and when it's not under the submission to the Holy Spirit. Mark 7, 20 through 23, from within there are, and this is a list of the wickedness of the heart, evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, lawlessness, stinginess, blasphemy, and pride. Titus 3, 3 talks about, oh, and I've just written the bad stuff. I'm not sure. I've forgotten what the context is of whether it says you once were or whether it says, and this is how um, unbelievers behave right now. But the list of sin and the wickedness of the heart is foolishness, disobedience, they're deceived, captives of various lusts and pleasures, malice, envy, hateful, um, detesting one another. Um, This is the status of a heart without Jesus. This is the status of a heart that is not submitting to the Holy Spirit um, because these are the leftover inclinations of the sin nature when someone is a new creation all that stuff is still left over so um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that on the next page of the um, heart <laughs> so I will continue on page 102. After his confession, David makes requests for a restoration of fellowship with the Lord. What does he want the Lord to do according to Psalm 51, 7 through 12? List the actions he asked the Lord to take. So this is not supposed to be a trick question. It's trying to highlight what God does. And then um, as you have already gone through at the top of page 103, there are results. There may be some... Um, Similar answers between this question and the next question, but that's okay. So, actions that David asks of the Lord from verse 7. Purify me with hyssop, wash me. Verse 9. Hide your face from my sins, blot out my iniquities. Verse 10. Create a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit. Verse 11. Don't cast me away, don't take away your Holy Spirit. Verse 12, restore the joy of my salvation and sustain me. David, this is um, at the top of page 103. If you need some transitional statement, David understood that his sin had defiled him and only God could cleanse him. So that's just the summary of the actions that David is asking God to take.
what would be the result of God's mercy and forgiveness, according to Psalm 51, 7 through 15. And I have a little something from every verse. Verse 7, David and we are clean and whiter than snow. Verse 8, we have joy and gladness and rejoicing. Verse 9, iniquities are blotted out. What does blotted mean? Erased, um, covered, not seen, they're gone, like it's wiped away. Verse 10, clean heart and steadfast spirit. Verse 11, uh, in the Lord's presence. Verse 12, joy and a willing spirit. Verse 13, the one who has received God's mercy and forgiveness teaches transgressors the ways of the Lord. Verse 13, sinners will be converted. Verse 14, um, we are delivered and joyfully sing. I think that's from verse 14. And then verse 15, we declare the praise of the Lord. I'm saying we. David's saying that he would do that about himself, but it's kind of hard to separate um, what we what David receives and what we receive, because when we are forgiven in, by Christ, then we get these things. David expresses the hope of the Lord's grace that we now understand more fully under the new covenant, what was promised and fulfilled in these scriptures. So we're looking, at, looking back in Deuteronomy and Ezekiel at the details of the new covenant and what God would do. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The Lord would circumcise the heart, and then those with that circumcised heart would love him with heart and soul, and they will live. So that's us, if we have trusted in Christ as our Savior. <laughs> Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, describes the new covenant. We are in Christ Cleansed from filthiness, given a new heart and a new spirit. We're given God's spirit, the very spirit of God, so that we will walk in God's ways. I've summarized and paraphrased those verses. What about Matthew 26, 26 through 28? That's the action where Jesus is bringing about and saying it's time for the new covenant and this is my blood that is the um, inauguration, the uh, like certifying, uh, making it happen, bringing it about. So Jesus' death brought about, ratifies another word. Um, you may want to think through what words you use that would be most easily understood. Like when Jesus died, gave his blood on the cross, that brought about. It started and, and made the new covenant happen. <laughs> um, Acts 1, 4 through 5, 2, 1 through 6, and 11. I was trying to just pick out the most specific verses. This is a continued fulfillment of the new covenant that was talked about in Ezekiel 36. The Holy Spirit had been promised by Jesus. It was sent, not it, sorry, Holy Spirit is not it, um, he was sent, and he, the Holy Spirit, filled Jesus' disciples. 
And 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a summary of what happens from the new covenant and um, in Christ. Everyone is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so now we have a question. What is the condition of your heart? And um, depending on how ladies understand their salvation and perhaps what, how, whether they're walking in fellowship and right relationship with the Lord at the moment of answering this question and in your group, um, hopefully knowing who they are in Christ, the condition of their heart will be that in Christ they recognize salvation. The new covenant has given them a circumcised heart, a changed heart, a cleansed heart, new and different and filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the status of the heart of a believer. And that new heart is able to obey God. Look back at Ezekiel 36, verse 27, I think. I mean, and you will walk in God's ways. We are able to obey God, and that's a big deal. But because of the verses that we looked at on page 102 of the results of Adam and Eve's sin, and because of lots of sermons that just say, the heart is wicked, the heart is wicked, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Many times people are stuck and don't recognize the change that salvation has made. So they may not understand they have a new heart. But there is also the situation that even in Christ, even with the new changed heart, that someone may be quenching the Holy Spirit, not yielding to the Holy Spirit, and in a time of hard-heartedness and in a time of sin and rebellion. So there are a variety of answers to this question. I do want you to talk about and make sure that ladies understand that in Christ, salvation gives you a new heart. So your heart, when you've confessed your sin, and if, you're, if you have had a temper tantrum today, and you've confessed that temper tantrum, then you're cleansed, and you have a clean heart, and you have a heart that's ready and humbled, ready to obey the Lord. I, just, I see that this is one of the biggest problems in Christian teaching, and in churches, and sermons, and Sunday schools, and Bible studies, and um, ladies concepts and so just do want ladies to understand that uh, they're new and different and filled with the Holy Spirit they can obey God and they can be forgiven so if anyone is walking around with a hard heart they need to humble themselves and hopefully hopefully this psalm is bringing them to repentance so that we can have as we see in the next italicized paragraph the joy of salvation the joy of forgiveness of sin and we can walk in the grace of God that sustains us day by day. And we can talk about it and praise God by telling others that he does forgive and we're free. Okay, I'll go to the next paragraph now. The end of Psalm 51 reflects the heart of true worship, which was the message of the previous Psalm, Psalm 50. Sacrifices were to be the to be offered from the heart with the right attitude and right behaviors. Um, 
Sacrifices from David would not be acceptable to the Lord until he confessed his sin. And I, that paragraph also brings up the connection between 50 and 51 with adultery. So, um, worship, sacrifice, sin, these are connections from Psalm 50 and Psalm 51. What type of sacrifices are appropriate to offer to the Lord according to Psalm 51, 16 through 19? Broken spirit, broken and contrite heart, and offer righteous sacrifices. That's in verse 19. Broken is the Hebrew word shabar, and it means to be broken, to be crushed in pieces. This um, is a verb, shabar is a verb, and... It's used talking about God punishing someone, destroying something. It also is used sometimes to refer to something being opened, an opening to break out. And even birth is described somewhere as breaking out. And all of this together also means that this word broken describes a desperate situation. That is a really good phrase to um, tie into the understanding of this word broken. Um, I am a, like to, for David to say, I am a broken man. I'm in a desperate situation. And um, then also the top of page 104, contrite, is the Hebrew word daka. And it sounds similar to the things that we've just talked about with broken. It's to be broken, crushed, contrite. I have a phrase, uh, explanation. I can't remember if this is something that y'all would have seen or if I got it from a different uh, one of my own dictionaries. Used of a person who is physically and emotionally crushed because of sin or the onslaught of an enemy. But... Um, Physically and emotionally crushed because of sin. So this person is down. And as the next statement says, these are painful words. Have you recognized your sin in such a way that you have experienced their grief? And this is not a fun question to ask and talk about, but it's real and it's sober and we do need to ask it. And this is not a request for anyone to share like sin but we do want to encourage you to think about your sins and acknowledge that you have sinned and um, have you experienced grief over your own sin so I mean my answer is yes it is very sobering and it has been painful at times when I have been in sin and grieving over my sin and repenting of sin and then just thinking of it and realizing my sin Jesus died for my sin um, okay moving on what do these scriptures say about the words broken and contrite now we have some good news Psalm 34 18 the Lord is near the brokenhearted he saves those crushed in spirit Psalm 147 3 he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds Luke 18, 11 through 14, he hears the prayers of the humble, broken man. I have forgives. Um, can't remember if that's in that verse or not. Oh, well, that was the um, 
the humble man who went up to pray. So he was, he was praying. <laughs> and that's who the Lord heard. So that is good news for us. And um, I do hope that as these last phrases on the lesson say that this prayer of confession is one of repentance and restoration and rejoicing and um, hope that it will, that wherever anyone is in the review of this psalm, that it will, that God will do his work through his word of this psalm to lead us in what we need, whether that's confession, repentance, restoration, or rejoicing. And I'm, I'm hitting on the rejoicing part really hard because I've seen the lack of rejoicing many times. I don't know who needs what, um, but I am thankful for this psalm at the beginning of the year and um, to just be the way that we're kicking off our study in psalms together again because it will give us opportunity to come to the Lord with a clean heart for a clean start and to um, take in his word and to follow him closely and with all of our heart in obedience and in true worship. Come, let us worship. That's all for now. Thank you for leading your ladies in the discussion of Psalm 51. Thanks for listening. My in-depth Bible study workbooks on Job, Psalms, Ezekiel, Matthew, Ephesians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Hebrews are available on Amazon. My coordinating lectures are available on my website and YouTube and other podcast episodes. I pray that God's Word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path.